Welcome to Full Circle, your cultural affairs radio magazine produced by members of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program. The show was written, produced, and recorded in Huchin, occupied Ohlone territory, also known to settlers as the Bay Area. On tonight's show, we are passing the torch, saying farewell to Apprentice Group 41 and welcoming us, Group 42, or Fortitude, as you'll come to know us. This is our intro show. On tonight's show, you'll get to learn about each of us, the 42nd generation of apprentice producers on Full Circle. We'll interview each other. We'll answer questions from our fellow graduate and incoming apprentices. And we'll show a bit of our personal story in deciding to commit to this wonderful opportunity here at KPFA. And we will find out what's in a name, what 42 means to each of us, and some music and poetry to go with it. All that tonight on Full Circle. We are your hosts. I'm Laura Chagaray. I'm Kat Petru. And I'm Darlene Pagano. Stay with us. Good evening, everyone, and welcome again to Full Circle. Tonight, we will be sharing a little bit about who we are and why we're here. To start out, what's in the name? As part of being accepted to the KPFA Apprenticeship Program, there is one night when we come for an orientation. This is when we tell you how hard it is to go through the program to make sure you have good chance to finish. One of the things they spoke about us was that there were we were group 42 on a long list of KPFA apprentice generations. They also said that every group chooses its name, so if we get into the program, we will eventually choose a name for a group. Having a Spanish bilingual way of listening and processing language, when I heard number 42, it sounded a lot like 42 to me. So I went home and looked the word up. And 42 means courage in pain or adversity is a synonym of spirit, bravery, endurance, resilience, moral fiber, strength of character, strong-mindedness, backbone, and grief. Comes very handy to activists, right? Absolutely. And speaking of fortitude, Darlene has chosen a song that has inspired her throughout the years. Let's listen, and when we come back, Darlene will tell us what it means to her on her journey to the KPFA apprenticeship. The title is It Could Have Been Me by Holly Near. Students in Ohio, 200 yards away, shut down by a nameless fire, one early day in May. Some people cried out angry, you should have shot more of them down. But you can't bury youth, my friend, youth grows a whole world around. It could have been me. But instead it was you 
So I'll keep doing the work you were doing as if I were too. I'll be a student of life, a singer of songs, a farmer of food, and the writer of wrong. It could have been me, but instead it was you. And it may be me, dear sisters and brothers, before we are through. But if you can die for freedom, 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 if you can die for freedom, I can too. The hunter took the fingers from Victor Hart's hands. They said to the gentle poet, play your guitar now if you can. Well, Victor started singing until they shot his body down. You can kill a man, but not a song when it's sung the whole world around. And it could have been me, but instead it was you. So I'll keep doing the work you were doing as if I were too. I'll be a student of life, a singer of songs, a farmer of food, and a writer of wrong. It could have been me, but instead it was you. And it may be me, dear sisters and brothers, before we are through. But if you can sing for freedom, 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 if you can sing for freedom, I can too. A woman in the jungle, so many wars away, studies late into the night, defends a village in the day. Although her skin is golden, like mine will never be, her song is heard and I know the words and I'll sing them till she's free. It could have been me, but instead it was you. So I'll keep doing the work you were doing as if I were too. Hearing just a few verses of this song by Holly Near, I feel as if I'm sitting next to my 24-year-old self on a plane coming into San Francisco in 1975 where I was expecting my new life, my real life, to unfold. Less than two years earlier, I'd met the first women who called themselves feminists. I'd been volunteering at a community phone line called Switchboard Miami, where a small sub-project offering birth control information and referrals to newly available abortion services was underway. Remember, this was 1973, just months after the Roe v. Wade decision. I was immediately interested and joined a group that was being trained at an obstetric practice. The good-sized room was full of women, and in there I found my first feminist cohort. Jump to the summer of 1974. Six of the 14 women, who were the core of a group called Radical Feminists and Lesbian Feminists of Dade County, Yes, we really did that, and we even had a bank account under that name. Went on a summer circumnavigation of the country to visit all of the women's communities we had ever heard about from all the feminist newspapers we subscribed to. 
Almost three months later, they returned with excited plans to move out of this swamp of South Florida and head off to either Denver or to Oakland. And I couldn't bear to think of being without this group, but I also couldn't imagine picking up and moving so far away from my family. The music helped me decide. My friends brought back many presents. I was given three albums, that is, records you play on a turntable, one by a solo singer named Holly Near. The moment I heard her song, It Could Have Been Me, I felt I was getting a glimpse of the life I wanted to have. I wanted to earn the right to sing that chorus truthfully about myself. It could have been me. I had no idea how to do that alone in Dade County. So I was ready to take a risk and go to a place where I thought I could fit in instead of stand out. But which location would I go to? Having always lived on a coastline with no snow, I chose to go to Oakland. That was the reason. And that's how one song can lead to a whole life. As hearing one new viewpoint can permanently open up a mind, or meeting one happy, vibrant lesbian smash every fearful stigma you've ever heard. Change does happen that quick. And trying to create change, expand freedom, and keep on doing the work can structure a whole life, as it did mine. My friends and I got into SFO late at night, and by the time we got back to the communal house in Oakland that was waiting for us, we went right to sleep. I had set my alarm to 7 a.m. When the alarm went off, there was an acoustic band singing away triumphantly about how Vietnam would win. And I realized they were singing about North Vietnam, except they didn't sing about the country as divided. They sang about one country, Vietnam. first hour of my first day in Oakland, I was introduced to the Red Star Singers and to International Solidarity and to radio station KPFA. And I knew I was far away from Dade County, Florida. And you are listening to 94.1 KPFA and 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley. I've stuck with KPFA ever since. When the Apprentice Program was introduced over 20 years ago, I wanted to jump right in. But the apprenticeship is a big undertaking, and the station asks you to be serious about an 18-month commitment with 20 hours a week of work being probable. And I never could honestly say I could give that much time, so I remained a listener and a subscriber. Now, way forward, and I'm about to turn 65, and my job cuts my hours back. I'm actually in a position to trade a smaller salary for more time, so I accept it. And what do I hear on KPFA that night? That the apprenticeship program is accepting applications for a new group, and that the deadline is three days away. Now, I don't think I have a metaphysical bone in my body, but damn, at that moment, the goddess serendipity was dancing all around me. I applied in time. I was accepted. And I am now a novice producer with a weekly show, Full Circle, as my apprenticeship group's weekly responsibility. And so it goes.
what an amazing story. You are listening to 94.1 FM KPFA, and that was our very own Darlene Pagano, apprentice member of Group 42. This is our intro show. I'm Kat Petru, and our other apprentice group member, Laura Chegaray, has a question for Darlene. Hey, Darlene. I heard you worked at Good Vibrations. Can you tell us more about that, please? I do realize that my introduction skips from age 24 quickly to age 65, and a lot happened in between there. Um, I had the great opportunity to be part of the collectives of two feminist bookstores in the Bay Area. And when that was coming to a close, I heard about an opening at Good Vibrations. Good Vibrations had just been bought by its employees uh, from the owner uh, and founder, Joni Blank, and they were looking to expand. And so I had a chance to become... Collective worker owner number 25 at Good Vibrations for the next nine years. My feminist experience as part of the feminist health movement and uh, as you know, part of a very active feminist movement altogether, um, I thought I was I was prepared to uh, understand about female sexuality and um, questions like that. But entering into Good Vibrations was another huge opening of the mind for me and a little bit an opening of the heart as well. It is a completely different uh, situation to enter into the sex lives of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of uh, human beings and learn so much more about all of our our needs and our wants and our fears and our vulnerabilities and our choices and our not choices. And it was an amazing, entirely wonderful uh, experience as well as furthering uh, my business experience in being in uh, a Bay Area worker collective. Wow. Um, that's so amazing to hear your your stories. Thank you. Uh, so up next, we have Laura's musical choice as an introduction to her story. The song is called I Live Where You Vacation by San Francisco-based band Soltron.
Sabe que aquí te la pasa mejor que en tu casa. Tú vienes de pasada. I live where you vacation. Tú sabes que aquí te la pasa mejor que en tu casa. Tú vienes de pasada. I live where you vacation. Tú sabes que aquí te la pasa mejor que en tu casa. Tú vienes de pasada. I live where you vacation. Tú sabes que aquí te la pasa mejor que en tu casa. Tú vienes de pasada. Ese orgullo, basta ya de tanto plomo y cemento. Deja brillar tu luz desde adentro. Positive vibration, tropical persuasion. Oh, I live where you vacation. circle here on KPFA 94, 94.1 FM. You just heard I Leave Where You Vacation by Soltron. I chose this song because it points to the contrast between the tourist perception of Puerto Rico with its paradise wonders and the harsh reality that Puerto Ricans have to deal with. It's a great example of modern day colonialism, something that I'm here to expose. I am Laura Chegaray, one of your three hosts tonight episode of Full Circle, where we group 42 or Fortitude are telling you a bit about who we are and what you could expect from us as your producers over the next several months. Here is my story. Why I'm here? Let's see. For me, it all started when I moved to California and went to the DMV office to switch my driver's license. I show up with the Puerto Rico's government ID and birth certificate 
and I get asked for my green card and passport. The officer had no clue about the U.S. citizenship of Puerto Ricans and was adamant that I needed those documents. So I had to stick to my guns and refuse to leave until I speak with a supervisor. That day, I became an immigrant in what I thought was my country, the one my uncle got drafted to war for, the flag I was taught to salute in school. I knew their history, their heroes, all their accomplishments, and they didn't even know I existed. Time and time again, I got shocked to find that most people in the mainland know nothing about not just Puerto Rico, but about most of what happens outside their coast. In the meantime, my homeland keeps sinking into what today is the worst economic crisis in history. I need everyone to know what has been happening in Puerto Rico and all the other USA territories. So when I heard Silvia Torres telling about her work at KPFA Apprenticeship Program during a Puerto Rican gathering, I suddenly saw my 11-year-old self who asked for a cassette tape recorder on Christmas and went around interviewing people and reporting pretend news like Carmen Joved, the Channel 2 reporter, and my TV idol. Next thing I know, I was filling out the application. To do this work, I draw from my days in the 1981 University of Puerto Rico student strike, from my experience as an architect, a Latino community educator, a writer, a poet, a single mother of children with learning disabilities, a disability awareness campaigner, and an artist. I'm here to give people information, knowing that the right information at the right moment can make a difference, and I am honored by that opportunity. Now, speaking about 42, I draw from being a Puerto Rican. Let me tell you, Puerto Ricans are probably one of the most resilient people on this planet. We're used to hurricanes, inundations, being without water or electricity for weeks. We had landslides, earthquakes, even tsunamis at some point, and we're still here. We've been invaded for 500 years now. The Spanish crown and the USA Congress have tried to exterminate us, sterilize us, poison us, deprive us of our language, our history and culture, messed with our heads, tell us that we're small, lazy, and poor, and completely ignore us. Some people buy into it, but most just survive and come back stronger. My family has been harassed and persecuted because we know we can be a sovereign nation and refuse to shut up. However, we've been named the happiest people on earth. Can you believe that? We have learned to survive with creativity. We are intrinsically musical people. We dance and party at the least provocation. We enjoy strong family ties and humor is a huge part of our lives. At least that's how I live my life. Finally, I've learned so much from nature, which is at its highest expression in Puerto Rico. I can tell many stories of adversity, renewal, and resilience, and I'm very, very proud to be Puerto Rican. Proud of the rich race and cultural stew I come from. We have a lot to contribute, and that's also why I'm here.
just heard Laura Echegaray's intro story on Full Circle here on KPFA 91.94.1 FM. I'm Darlene Pagano of Group 42, or Fortitude, and my fellow apprentice Kat Petru has a question for Laura. So, Laura, at the very end of your story, you talk about nature in Puerto Rico. Can you tell us a story about nature and resilience? Oh, I would love to. Um, I grew up going to the beach pretty much every weekend, and I will spend a lot of the time in the water. Um, I learned how to ride the waves, so to speak. You know, jump the waves is how we called it. And I heard... I learned that sometimes you get hit by a wave and you don't know what to do when you start swallowing water and all that. But through the years, I learned how to survive that. I learned not to resist the wave, not to fight with it. It just let myself go because I will always end up on the shore, you know, on the sand. So when I had a problem, you know, too big in my life, when I felt overwhelmed, when I felt, you know, there was times in my life when I was in the hospital, super sick, some things like that. I just imagined that the wave was tumbling me and I would just let go, relax and let myself carry to the shore. Now let's go to Kat's musical introduction and then we'll move on to questions our peers have in store for us. Stay tuned. Take me outside. Sit in the green garden. Nobody out there. But it's okay now. Bathe in the sunlight. Don't mind if rain falls Take me outside Sit in the green garden Walking the carpet of green velvet
can't see is us dancing and singing while, our, while the song is playing. So that song is a cover of Lara, Laura, Laura Mvula's Green Garden, performed by local high school, Oakland School of the Arts award-winning a cappella group Vocal Rush, where Laura's son Pablo just graduated. I'm Kat Petru, and you are listening to First Voice Apprentice Group Fortitude's intro show for Full Circle here on 94.1 FM KPFA. It is a rare gift to have five minutes to introduce oneself in general, let alone on public radio. And we are so grateful to share these stories, visions, and dreams with you all. Here is my introduction. Quotations line my journals and dot my phone's photo stream. Women who write pump fortitude into my spirit like iron into blood. Their words oxygenate my cells. People who make music light me up. I begin my introduction with the words of literary luminary Arundhati Roy. As a writer, one spends a lifetime journeying into the heart of language, trying to minimize, if not eliminate, the distance between language and thought. Language is the skin on my thought, I remember saying to someone who once asked what language meant to me. You can hear more of Arundhati's wide-eyed observations and undeniable social analysis on an upcoming Full Circle episode. I draw fortitude from dance. My body communicates worlds with me and me with worlds, but labels dancer, writer, feel stifling and inauthentic. I'm only a dancer because I must move to live, and I'm only a writer because I must connect with others. That is why I am here. On our Full Circle episode from July 28th, my friend and tremendous singer-songwriter, Adrian Mehri Shamzad, joined us. She played setar and guitar live, and she sang. We talked about the pain of being torn from our mother tongues, the many of us whose ancestors did not speak English. And we talked about the ecstasy of remembering these languages, the possibility of knowing love, knowing self, and knowing the world with an intimacy and vision that could be described as magical or be recognized as revolutionary. Language may indeed be like skin, the largest organ in our human bodies, an organ of intimate connection. I write almost daily in a journal. I transcribe my dreams, visions that blur the line from realm to realm. Waking is an unpredictable process. 
Tony K. Bambara, radical artist and channeler of the written word, is known for her novel, The Salt Eaters. One of the images in my phone's photo stream is of this quotation from that novel. And when Nadine got over being scared and finished with stretching her spine, she felt still another thing about seeing Mrs. Henry's face lift off and a prettier woman appear. She felt special, felt smart like she'd never felt at home or at school. Something important was happening and she was part of it. Something bigger than the two plus two way everybody else lived from day to day was going on and she was right there and part of it. Whatever it was that had fallen away was showing her another way to be in the world. There's nothing that stands between you and perfect health, sweetheart. Can you hold that thought? Nothing can hold me from my good, Velma drawled, reciting a remembered Sunday school lesson. Neither famine, nor evil, nor... The line from this narrative that I can't get out of my head is showing her another way to be in the world. If my words can be gifts, then I hope to communicate this to you during my time on Full Circle. There are ways to be in the world that feel good, that feel right. I don't mean hedonistic or pious. I mean there are ways to be in the world that support radical vitality, that defy the violence of the status quo. One of my teachers, Anjali Nath Upadhyay, who you'll hear from on next week's episode, calls living this way prefigurative praxis. Praxis is a fancy word that describes the relationship between thought and action. And as I've learned, it's a colonial myth that the two could ever be separate. There's so much beauty in this world, cozied right up next to the pain and the struggle and the heartache and the heartbreak. Last month, I was called to the Yuba River. I got up one morning after an agonizing night, relieved that all I had to do was scramble down the rocks and get in the water. I got to the bottom of the small cliff below our campsite and was struck by a butterfly flying towards the opposite bank. What if she turned around, I wondered. She did. What if she flew towards me? She did. What if instead of flying past me, she landed on me? She did. She hovered just below my right collarbone for what may have been 30 seconds. Then she flew off. There are times when expanding our imagination is what is required, says the late revolutionary activist and philosopher, Grace Lee Boggs. May my time on Full Circle be in service of just that. You're listening to 94.1 FM KPFA, and you just heard Kat Petrie's intro story for our introduction show. Darlene has a question for Kat. Kat, can you please tell us about the music you chose, both your song and the music in your story? Yeah. <clears throat> oh, man. Yes, I can. Um, so the song that I chose, the Laura, Laura Mvula song... Um, I actually, I well, I was really inspired to use the version by Oakland School for the Art because it's all these young women and 
they're such incredible singers and uh, I grew up singing and dancing and I used to, when I was little, I wanted to be a star and so there's just something in me that always wants to support young women and um, their relationship with their creativity and so uh, in addition to being really moved by that song itself, I love that version and um, I, I... It was serendipity that the story that I told had that whole butterfly motif and that that's a huge motif in the song as well. So that that's that piece. And then um, I had my narrative, my, my narration for my story, but it needed more. And um, one thing that I don't explicitly say is that I am, I'm 30 years old and I am the granddaughter of Holocaust survivors and I have so many questions about my past and about their lives before the Holocaust. And I know that my ancestry in part on this one side of my family is Sephardic Jews, which is Jews from the Iberian Peninsula. And I found music that is um, of Sephardic, or, uh, Sephardic is like the ethnicity and Ladino is, is the language and Ladino is this mix of Spanish and Hebrew. And so that instrumental music you hear is Sephardic music um and i've been dancing my whole life as i say in the story and percussion in particular is something that i've so drawn to and so to find music that is so beautiful that i would dance to um that is directly from my lineage is really meaningful to me so that that's a bit about the music thank you that was beautiful and to represent our fellow apprentices, we have David de la Gran on the board. He's going to read some questions from our peers. And good evening. Thank you. This is David de la Gran with Group 41, Many Voices Elefino. And the first question that we have tonight coming from all of us is for Darlene. Darlene, what was it like to experience the Beatles coming to America when you were just 14 years old? You had to go back that far, did you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, I'd like to remind people that I lived in a rather um, backwater area. I grew up um, largely, but not entirely, in Dade County, Florida. And uh, But we were, listened to the radio. Radio did reach that far down. And we were, as teenagers, very excited by all the other teenagers of America being very excited about this band called The Beatles. And we would follow along as best we could on the radio. And then the word went out that The Beatles were coming to America. And that was very exciting. But we all knew they were coming nowhere near us. But we had the opportunity to see them on television on the Ed Sullivan Show. And um, I did talk my parents into letting me stay up and watch the entire Ed Sullivan Show. And that was very important because the hateful, hateful Ed Sullivan started from the very first moment of his show reminding the audience that the Beatles were going to appear and the audience went wild. And then he'd bring out, you know, Topo, the talking mouse, or, you know, the jugglers or the twirlers or whatever and all of that. And each time somebody would come out, he would tell us that the Beatles were going to come out and the audience would go screaming hysterical. And finally, finally, and I knew this was going to happen as soon as he didn't let them come on at first, I knew he was going to put them on last. And that's exactly what happened. We had to watch the entire Ed Sullivan show uh, to get to see the Beatles. And 
it was magical. It was magical because we knew that every other teenager in America was watching and panting and being all excited by this group. And they were a good group. We all liked them. But it was just, it was just this group experience that you just let wash over you. And I'm very grateful to the Beatles for that because I don't think I ever experienced myself as an American teenager uh, until that moment. And that was that was the biggest American teenager moment I think I had. That was awesome. Thank you so much for answering that for us, Darlene. Stay, um... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask another one of our questions to another one of our apprentices here. This next question is for Laura. Mm-hmm. And uh, I want to give a little preface to this. You know, um, we had a parking lot sale um, not, not too long ago. And Laura, such a creative mind that she is, she made a, an actual Trump piñata. Now, Laura, what was on your mind when you were making the Trump piñata? Oh, yeah. <laughs> the piñata. Okay. Um, I make piñatas. I make piñatas for my younger son uh, all through his, you know, he's, when he turned 16, he said, Mom, my father is Mexican. Trump just insulted Mexicans. So um, for my birthday, all I want is a Trump piñata. And that's how it started. I started making piñatas. And... Um, it was so well received and and so well killed <laughs> that uh, I had to make another and another and I'm on, now on my third piñata. So that's that's how it started and um, I must say that I don't hate and I I don't you know don't take pleasure in in hurting um, the piñata, but uh, <laughs> I'm I have one in front of my bed right now. <laughs> And I just send him love because I know that with love, you know, it's, it's much stronger than hate and it can much easily transform the world. Amen. Wow. Wow. So like, so that's what was going on in your head when you were making the piñatas then? Yeah. Yeah. I I was creating as an artist, you know, I was putting paper, I was trying to figure out what what materials to use, what will give the best effect. And, um, but, um, but the thing about Trump was more like a fun idea, you know, let's make something. I, I always try to do, I, I think of myself as a big mischief, doing mischief. Mischief maker. Yeah, mischief maker. So I do things like that a lot. <laughs> All right, I'm going to keep my eye out on you then, uh, Laurita. <laughs> but it, este, um, thank you. That, that, that was really insightful into you. We really wanted to know about that. Uh, our next question here goes out for Miss Cat, Miss Cat Petru. And Cat, um, if you could do, because uh, Cat's a dancer, we learned this earlier. Cat, um, if you can do any dance anywhere with anyone, what would you dance with whom and where? Ay, this question is actually really hard. Um, so I said when I was little, I wanted to be a star. And I, I actually, I'm also learning American Sign Language, ASL. And I just did this 10-week week workshop with Antoine Hunter, who's a local phenomenal ASL um, deaf, hard of hearing dancer. And we got to tell stories. So this is, it's amazing. I get to tell a story here on the radio. And then for that workshop, I told a story using my body and using um, ASL. And I, with my, again, without words, told this story 
which is funny because I think this is the first time I'm putting words to it. Um, told this story when I was, I don't know, maybe 10 or nine, I was watching maybe the Grammys with my dad and I, it was Nelly Furtado who I had her first CD. So Darlene was in the era of records and then I was in the era of CDs and, um, and she was just performing and dancing and singing. And I remember looking at him and, and saying, I'm going to do that when I'm older. And I'm not doing that. And it's great because I, you know, you grow and you change and experiences come at you differently. And I have performed. I've been in professional musical theater. Um, but I wouldn't, to answer, to answer the question, I, I don't know that it would be like on stage or at So You Think, I don't even watch So You Think You Can Dance. I think it would be somewhere outside and I don't actually even know that much about famous dancers. Like I'm, I dance for really, like, as I said in my story, it's, it's a different reason. It's like to keep me going. It's, it's my fortitude. So I would dance outside. I've done this before. I've gone on hikes with a dear friend. Um, and we'll just like stop in the middle of the woods, hoping no one's there and start like yelling and dancing and, uh, you know, doing things that, you know, if people saw me on the street, they might think I was crazy, but that's, it's just an authentic expression. So I would be dancing outside, um, probably with, with other dancers with, so far in my life, it's generally women dancers. Um, what was the third part? Where and with whom and? And where. Wait, I just yeah. said. Yeah, well, you dance, you know. Oh, what kind you, of dance? Yeah, what would you dance? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's, I love that part because uh, I'm still on this journey, this search for like, what, what did my, how did my ancestors dance? I've traveled the world and I've, I've learned dance from so many places, but I, um, I don't like, besides kind of the little square dance, like kind of Jewish Hebrew square dance looking things that I've seen. Um, like, I want to know what the women were doing when they were doing a ritual, when they were like, communing with gods and goddesses and spirits like how were they dancing um that's what i want to learn so if anyone has any clues feel free to to let me know absolutely and um so for everybody listening if you come to the studios and you see somebody dancing outside it might be <laughs> <laughs> all right this question goes out to the whole group itself okay is radio just one stop is it a one-time thing or what do you plan on doing with your whole radio experience Anybody? Well, I have started thinking about what can I do that will be for the rest of my life, which is a period of time I have no idea its duration. But thinking about maybe my days of setting up uh, at demos and events and uh, uh, knocking on doors and marching in the street <clears throat> might be might be slowing down. So what else can I do that uh, promotes the causes and raises up the voices that I want to hear, that I want to see raised up, that I want to have promoted? And um, the, as I said, I've known about the, the apprenticeship program for over 20 years, and I thought, I could put other people on the radio. And now that um, there are more than one ways to get on the radio, I could create podcasts. I could do syndication and on and on as I'm learning about more. And I thought, I don't have to be in front of the microphone, although we're being asked to do that tonight. I want to hear the other voices. So for me, this is the 
not quite being on the front line work anymore, but being the support person that I want to be, being the um, nurturer of new voices that I want to be. So, no, radio is not one stop. I made a commitment to this, and um, there are a few possibilities in my life that could stop me, but unless those very specific things happen, uh, this is a long-term, or at least I hope it's long, long-term, this is a long-term event. Yeah, Darlene, awesome. Thank you. What about you, Laura? I'm thinking very much along the lines of Darlene, you know, this has awakened a part of me that was kind of dormant for a long time. I'm always loved to write and read and I, I'm very partial to the voiceless. So, um, I hope I can continue doing this in any way or form that it can, I can manifest, um, I'm putting out the word out there. If anybody needs anybody who cares about the voiceless, that will be me. Um, I will love to continue doing either podcasts or um, uh, either writing for the newspaper or any other on the form of writing because there's so much to expose out there. And the more I, you know, every time I got get an idea about a show, I get two or three ideas, and I don't think I'm going to get time to put them all uh, together. I will always have more and more ideas. That That's kind of like part of me. It's always been like that. I always have, for every one idea I need, I have three, four, five. So I hope I can continue. That's that's great. And then that last one, last but not least, Ms. Kat Patru. So the question, can you just read it again, please? Yeah, you know, is radio just a one-stop shop? You know what I mean? Or Sorry, is radio just a one-time thing? Or what do you plan on doing with your radio experience? Okay, thanks. Um, I hope not. I, I didn't ex- really know what I was getting into when I applied to this program, and I have fallen in love. It's such an incredible... Radio is such an incredible synthesis of my passions, and... I really like all pieces of it. I actually love being in front of the mic um, and I love the creative process behind the scenes. I love writing the script. I love, if there was like a bigger word than love, I would say like this part in particular, the creative collaboration that goes into it. And first, the first voice apprenticeship program is so community centric. It's so much about this web of, of life and um, so I love this. I would, I would love to get paid for it someday. Um, and like I said in my story, uh, that, that Grace Lee Boggs quote, a time to expand our imaginations is now. And so what I, whatever I can do in service of consciousness raising, which we'll get into some more uh, as we produce shows here and certainly got into last week, our, our August 18th show. So I'm so thrilled to be here and hope hope that it's not the end, just the beginning. You heard it here. You heard it first. This is the KPFA group, group 42, 42. And please go ahead. Continue taking it away, please. Laura. The apprenticeship program is happy to be supported directly by the community as well as KPFA. We want to give a grateful shout out to those community business who help us create a great event for the graduating cohort of Apprentice Group 41, 
known as Many Voices LFINO, the group that has been bringing you full circle for the last 11 months. The graduates celebrated their certifications with thanks to the following donors. In Berkeley, we have Betty's Ocean View Diner, EC Stop Deli, Himalayan Flavors, Juan's Place, La Mediterranean, right? Yep. Rasan's Organic Kitchen, Sweet Adeline's Bake Shop, Trader Joe's on University, Udupi Palace, Fast Imaging Print Shop, and in Oakland, Cafe de Jana. And in San Francisco, to visit Darrow Florist. We also give special thanks to all the instructors and mentors of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program, um, who su uh, the support of the upcoming apprentice groups, and of course, to KPFA 94.1 Free Speech Radio. And if you're interested in the program, check out kpfaapprentice.org for more information. Last week on the 19th, Dick Gregory died. He was 84 years old, a multi-talented man, famously known for his style of comedy, which was geared to the experience of African Americans, even when he was appearing in front of white audiences, who identified and challenged racism, mocked all forms of bigotry, commented on political events, and made satiric fun of the establishment. He was a pioneer in the use of comedy to highlight issues of social justice. Here is a clip of his activist and comedic talents during an interview question regarding police treatment of black people. And please note, this clip is from 1965. Every incident that had been tipped off in this country in the last two years up north had been tipped off by a uniformed police. Now, I'm not saying the police is right or wrong. I'm saying when you have these incidents that's tipped off with this one symbol, then we should look into it and see what it is. When 22 million people, be they black or white, start hollering police brutality, then it's time to start listening to 22 million people and going in. A lot of people say, well, it's not police brutality. Police brutality is not when a cop necessarily knocks me upside the head. It's when a cop calls me nigger when he's making the arrest. It's when he handles me wrongly in every process of processing the arrest. This is a form of police brutality. And there's so few people that seem to understand that when the Negro says it's police brutality, then you say, well, he's, he's just looking for a way out. Well, how do these many people look for a way out in so many areas in America? It's like Billy Graham, I think, made the statement of statements when he came into L.A. and he said he thought the communists was behind the rides. And there's just not enough communists in Russia to stand on every corner in a Negro ghetto waiting for a cop to arrest a Negro and start a ride. <laughs> While he will be largely referred to as a comedian, he had a complex and creative career, never wavering from his anti-racist stands. The father of 11 children, married to his wife Lillian since 1959, he died among family last week after a short illness leading to heart failure. We thank you, Dick Gregory. And that brings us to the end of tonight's show. Tune in next week to Full Circle for Just Pleasure, Revolutionary Approaches to the Erotic. Our executive producer is Miss M. Our technical director is Frank Sterling. Joy Moore is our production consultant. We've been your hosts, Laura, Kat, and Darlene. Special thanks to David Lagran on the ones and twos and Steve and Sharon, our tech assistance duo. Thank you for joining us tonight on Full Circle. Stay tuned. La Onda Bajita is next.